It's the Book of the Month on Southside Broadcasting with Jenny Finch and a team of top writing talent. This month's book is Peter the Latvian by Georges Simenon. Peter the Latvian is the first in a series of 75 books featuring Inspector Jules Maigret of the Paris Police Force. Set between the wars, it introduces Maigret, who is trying to catch an infamous conman and money launderer, the Peter of the title. A body, believed to be that of the criminal, is discovered on a train arriving from Amsterdam. But Maigret spots him leaving the station through the confusion and begins a long journey to track down his quarry. The Latvian is a master of disguise and slips past Maigret and his officers, seemingly with ease. Following the few clues he can uncover and his own instincts, the inspector follows him, determined to catch him and uncover the mystery of the dead doppelganger on the train. Simenon writes about a particular location, mainly Paris and its surroundings. And one of the joys of these books is the chance to enter an unfamiliar world. Things were very different then, both due to the geographical setting and the French legal system, which differs in many ways from that of the United Kingdom. There is a different hierarchy, methods vary considerably, and Maigret spends an inordinate amount of his time drinking in bars. The forensics, even in the first book, are already quite advanced and act as a timely reminder that many of the theories and practices used today originated in France. Maigret is well-versed in what was the very modern methods and uses them to considerable advantage in his hunt for the elusive Peter. Simenon was writing his books from the early 1930s until the last novel, Maigret and Monsieur Charles, which was published in 1973. Whilst they tend to be shorter and more concise than modern crime fiction, it is still an astonishing and prolific output. Over time, Maigret develops as a person, though his basic character is established in this first novel. Unlike more contemporary works, there are few descriptions of people, but Maigret emerges as a living and believable protagonist through a few phrases and especially through his actions. Relentless, intelligent, and occasionally authoritarian, he runs his department and his area of Paris with spare efficiency. Despite the lack of detail, he is a sympathetic character, and his fierce intelligence makes him a formidable investigator. Would you like to talk, Hans Johansson? Maigret was hanging onto a piece of slippery seaweed by his fingernails. When it was all over, he confessed that at this precise moment his opponent could have easily kicked him into the water. It was only a second, but Johansson, squatting beside the last still to the pier, didn't take advantage of it. Later still, Maigret confessed with great honesty that he had had to hang on to his prisoner's foot to haul himself back up the slope. Then the two of them began the return journey, without a word between them. The tide had risen further. A few metres from shore they were cut off by the same rock pool that had blocked the inspector on his way out, but it was deeper now. Peter went down first, stumbled when he was three metres in, slipped over, coughed up seawater, then stood up. 
It was only waist-deep. Maygrave plunged in. At one point he closed his eyes as he felt he couldn't keep the huge weight of his body above the surface any more. But the two of them eventually found themselves dripping on the pebbles of the shore. Did she talk? Peter asked in a voice so blank that it seemed to be devoid of anything that might still harbour a will to live. Maygray was entitled to lie, but instead he declared, She told me nothing. But I know. They could not stay where they were. The wind was turning their wet clothes into an ice jacket. Peter's teeth started chattering. Even in the faint moonlight, Maygray could see that the man's lips had turned blue. He'd lost his moustache. He had the worried face of Fyodor Yurovich, the look of the little boy in Pskov, gazing at his brother. Though his eyes were the same cloudy grey as before, they now stared with a harsh and unyielding gaze. A three-quarters turn to the right would allow them to see the cliff and the two or three lights that twinkled on it. One of them came from Madame Swan's villa. Each time the beam of the harbour light went round, you caught a glimpse of the roof that shielded Madame Swan, the two children and the frightened maid. Come on, Maigret said. To the police station? Maigret sounded resigned, or rather indifferent. No. He was familiar with one of the harbourside hotels, Chez Lyon, where he'd noticed an entrance that was used only in the summer for the handful of holidaymakers who spend the season by the sea at Fecamp. The entrance gave onto a room that was turned into a fairly grand dining room in high season. In winter, though, sailors were happy to drink and eat oysters and herring in the main bar. That was the door Maigret used. He crossed the unlit room with his prisoner and found himself in the kitchen. A maid screamed in stupefaction. Call le patron! She stood still and yelled, Monsieur Lyon! Monsieur Lyon! Give me a room, the inspector said when Lyon came in. Monsieur Maigret, but you're sucking. Did you? A room, quickly. There's no fire made up in any of the rooms, and a hot water bottle will never. Don't you have a pair of bathrobes? Of course, my own, but... It was shorter than the inspector by three heads. Bring them down. They climbed a steep staircase with quaint bends in it. The room was decent. Monsieur Lyon closed the shutters himself before suggesting, Hot toddy tonight? Full strength? Good idea, but get those bathrobes first. The toddy's on its way. I'll get your clothes dried, yes? Monsieur Lyon gathered up the two soggy and dripping heaps on the floor and then shouted down from the top of the stairs, Come on, then, Henriette! Where's that toddy? Then he trekked back to the bedroom and gave this advice. Don't talk too loud in here. There's a travelling salesman from Larve in the room next door. He's catching the 5am train. One interesting aspect of the novels is that although they have a number of different translators, the tone, pace, and overall feel of the books remains the same. Simonon has a distinctive voice, and it rings through, even in another language. A number of the novels have been adapted for television. In the 1960s, when Maigret was played by Rupert Davis, and the 1980s, when the role was taken by Michael Gambon. The most recent series featured the unlikely but surprisingly successful choice of Rowan Atkinson. All have captured something of the Parisian atmosphere and the spare yet compelling character of Simenon's books. If you enjoy Peter the Latvian, then you're in for a big treat. There are 74 others to choose from. 
100,000 strokes affect 130,000 people in England and Wales each year. Here's a recipe that can dramatically decrease your chances of strokes. Excellent. I better get a pen. Listening to Jenny Finch, crime writer, scholar, and commentator, with another classic book of the month on Southside Broadcasting. Crime writer. That means she authors the crimes. She's the mastermind behind the crimes. Oh, is this recording? Things about technology is, of course, we can actually open it up to do all sorts of things. And we're delighted to welcome a brand new contributor to Book of the Month, a fan and graduate in philosophy and English from, of course, the University of St. Andrews. It's the fantastic Poppy Booth. How are you, Poppy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. And as I say, you will have the honour now. No one can ever take it away of being our first official contributor to the Book of the Month via Zoom. I'm honoured. I really am. <laughs> We are. So it's Peter the Latvian. It's Georges Simenon, uh, an author who uh, passed away long before either of us was born, from that point of view, uh, written in 1930. Share with us your thoughts. Um, I enjoyed it, actually. I thought it was, I think the most interesting thing about it was kind of how it started a lot of the literary traditions that we see now. And, you know, the last book of the month was a much more modern murder mystery kind of tale. And you can definitely see a lot of links to, you know, what Georges Simenon began with with the series. And obviously it was the first one in the long series of books that involved 
Inspector McGray. So I think that was really interesting. Um, in terms of my enjoyment of it, I did, I really, I did like it, but I think it was obviously because it was the beginning of this kind of thing. So it wasn't as extreme as they are now because now you still need that shock value that you would have got then, but just everything's been done before, all the tropes have been done. So you need to really up your game. So it was kind of, after having read um, The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle and read a lot of other more modern murder mysteries, it seemed a bit more predictable. But I guess if you were reading it at the time, it was revolutionary. It was not predictable at all because it hadn't been done before. Mm. So that's like, yeah, I think that's interesting. It's always challenging when you're reading things from uh, a contemporary perspective, obviously in the 21st century, to something which was written nigh on 90 years ago. Uh, mm. And I think you alluded to it then. Were there any moments where you thought, hmm, I'm not sure whether that ideology will be particularly uh, accepted if we did it today? Yeah, there's definitely some points where it's, it's a bit questionable. Some of it you're like, I don't think that would uh, get by the editors uh, of today. Um, but they were quite, quite minimal, you know, you'd, I think you'd expect a bit more, honestly, when you're reading uh, books from that time. So as far as they go, I think it was fairly PC. And in terms of the characters, I mean, Maygray himself, I mean, I think something which certainly came across very much for the whole piece itself is how descriptive Simonon is. And clearly this is a translation, but in terms of the description, were there any characters that you bonded with? Did you empathise with, with, with Maygray? Did you empathise with his wife? You don't hear a great deal about her. Um, <laughs> or other sort of areas? Um, I think I definitely uh, empathised with uh, his assistant. I can't remember his name right now. The one that... Uh, yeah. God, I can't remember his name. I Says definitely... it all. We can't remember his name. Yeah, his assistant yeah, was there. Yeah, because I, yeah, I feel like a lot of them, um, apart from McGray, and then obviously all the various... Uh, characters Pieter the Latvian identifies with were the only ones that were really um, fleshed out a lot I think a lot of the I I think I would have been very empathetic with a lot of the female characters if they were a bit more uh, fleshed out like you said uh, Megra's wife is barely mentioned you kind of don't really realize he has a wife until it's like oh his wife was there and you're like oh okay that's fine um so I think I think I definitely would have empathised with them a lot because they had potential to be really well-rounded, uh, good characters. And the character itself has been uh, adapted into screen several times over the years. Um, I think Rupert Davis was there, Arthur Weingarten's producer, obviously worked uh, with Richard Harris as May Gray. Most recently, of course, Rowan Atkinson uh, had a, a version of, of May Gray on screen. Do you think he's one of those characters like Sherlock Holmes that will continue to resonate as the years go by as a historical detective? I think so. I don't see why not, you know, unless something comes along that really will knock it out of the water. But I think he really started a lot of the um, traditions of detectives that we have now. And so there's no reason why uh, that foundation would ever go away, I think. And are you a detective genre fan yourself? Do you like a good murder mystery? You know, I actually, I do, I, I do like them. I hadn't read them a lot, honestly, apart from um, these last two books of the month. And I'm really glad that I have now, because I think I'm going to uh, dive headfirst into this genre now, because I really, I do enjoy it. I think it's very gripping. Well, something I'll poppy, we always invite our contributors to actually do. Difficult though it can be is to actually quantify their consideration of the actual text and give it a mark out of 10. So what are you going to go for? Uh, the... Uh, I was going to say the inspector calls the uh, P- Peter the Latvian, of course, by yes. Georges Simenon. I think 
coming in keep keeping in consideration my contemporary reading of it and also the fact that i think some of the female characters could have been more well-rounded i think i'm going to go with a, a six and a half out of ten one of the new features that we've introduced in book of the month given the covid19 situation is the fact that we're getting feedback from some of our correspondents uh, via the magic of zoom and indeed some of the new correspondents are actually there so we've already heard from uh, uh, one of our fine philosophers that's of course poppy booth and her views with respect to peter the latvian uh, we're delighted now to be able to welcome another ace individual uh, she's recently connected with the station uh, she knows everything about ice skating she's generally all around uh, top person made a debut a few weeks ago on uh, our shows it's jenny bill how are you jenny i'm great thank you very much and thank you for having me on again today all right i mean we're just sort of working our way through all sorts of processes now the focus of this he says if i can actually get the words out is to very much um get your feelings on the very first inspector maygray novel written of course by george simonon before we get your initial thoughts on the novel were you familiar with the character maygray or was it a case of don't be silly i'm far too young to remember that <laughs> I'm not particularly uh, that young, as I think I mentioned before, but we're not supposed to talk about that. Um, uh, I've heard of Maygrave before because I have actually seen, uh, I remember the old 60s television series, and um, I have seen a, a few other things, but I have never read any of the books before. Okay, so you've worked your way through it, you've read the whole novel. It wasn't, I presume, something which you just said, I can't take any more after page four, and said, I can take no more of this. <laughs> um no, it's funny you should say that actually, because um, when I first started it, I actually found it, I wasn't really enjoying it. And I've, I found it took me quite a while to get used to, I suppose, the style of it, the style of the author. Um, I found that I, I had to keep, keep going back and looking, scanning what I'd read before, because there's a lot of description goes on. And yes, there is obviously a storyline, but I felt like I was so absorbed by the descriptions that I, and, and particularly as well with a lot of things being in French, you know, the names being in French. So they're not quite as memorable as if they were English names. I'd have to keep going back and thinking, oh, what was that again? And I'd, I'd be looking back. And then if I picked it up to read the next day, because I tried to read a little bit each day. So I sort of didn't have it all at once, but paste it out. Um, I'd have to think, oh, what, what was happening? I'd have to sort of recap with some of the names of, bits and pieces um uh, but that was initially when i first started and i think once i got to maybe about sort of a quarter of a third of the way through i started to find i was really enjoying it i'd become i think accustomed to it are you a detective fiction fan do you like the genre is it something which you say if there's a an agatha christie or a uh, um a detective uh, movie on will you say oh I'll check that one out uh, well, yes, I think as I mentioned to you before, I'm not particularly a great fiction reader or a particular fiction expert. However, uh, that genre, if it comes to films or television, I absolutely love detective crime mystery. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm absorbed in Perry Mason at the moment, the old <laughs> series that's even older than I am. I mean, I love a lot of the old uh, sort of 40s, 50s style all the way up to present day um i love stuff like inspector morse and uh, uh, just loads of stuff i'm just giving that as an example of something that's very popular um i love i love I all that kind of thing i think it's fair to say inspector morse probably owes quite a lot actually to may gray it's an interesting yeah. point to, to ponder on in terms of what? the way we would include of course the faithful assistant uh, exactly who... well I, 
it was one of the reasons why I actually thought Morse because I actually when I read the, the Maygrave book it did slightly remind me of him okay yeah. so any favorite characters or is it a case of well they were like pawns on a chessboard they were being moved by an author who was very descriptive and taking his time and as I think I've alluded to beforehand I think I was quite surprised actually to find it was written originally back in 1930 90 years ago <laughs> um yes it was um it seems actually the style of it it does seem very old um, and I think that sort of start lifestyle as well, I think is slightly reflected in the book, as I was saying, that sort of, I felt like it, as if I almost as if I was reading slowly because it all seems to pass by so slowly. I mean, I, I really, for me, obviously I thought May Gray, I, I sort of empathized and sympathized with him. And I felt his character was actually uh, throughout the whole book was very well described because obviously it was all about him. Um, I don't want to give any plot away, so obviously I'm not going to say anything more than that. But uh, yes, I, I think his was a, the, by far the main character. And yes, I did uh, sympathise and empathise with him. And with respect to the sympathy and empathy, was there any period of time where you thought actually the, the, uh, the women were sympathetically portrayed? I mean, clearly there were there's the, the relationship that Peter the Latvian actually had, or indeed his brother, no spoilers, uh, with respect <laughs> to uh, the characters in, in the text. Um, likewise, obviously, Inspector Maygray, his wife gets very little mention. Uh, in fact, yeah. he just seems to actually be the, uh, the archetypal, traditional, um, long-suffering wife, in essence. Mm. Did you think, well, it's a product of its time, I can go with that, or do you think this is outrageous? I didn't think oh, it's outrageous. I think probably partly what you say, yes, I think that certainly 90 years ago or whenever the book was set, that perhaps women had a slightly less dominant position in society and the way the women were treated. I mean, obviously Maygrave's wife wasn't treated cruelly. Some of the other women in sounds like they were treated perhaps more cruelly. But I think that just the fact that they basically took sort of more background roles um, is, is a reflection of the period in which it was set. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I'm not a historian. <laughs> okay, let's go to the nitty gritty then, so to speak. Oh my word, I've said those words which you shouldn't actually say, so let's move away from that, otherwise I'll never get a job in the Sky Sports commentary. Um, let's focus <laughs> on the key things. What marks out of 10 would you give uh, Peter the Latvian by George Simenon? Um, I think if you'd asked me that halfway through, I probably would have said about four and a half. But um, I actually thought in the end it all fell together uh, sort of very cleverly. And I found I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think actually, and I'd never normally say this because it's not something I'd ever normally do. But I think with the hindsight of knowing what you know, I think a second read of the book would actually be even more enjoyable. And I would probably give it maybe eight out of ten. So there we have it, a uh, another case uh, solved, perhaps. In fact, the first case solved for uh, Inspector Maygray, but the still unanswered question is, what did Rob Nichols make of Peter the Latvian? Peter, uh, you say, Peter, what do I go? Right, you're going straight into you there with respect to even, even, even changing your name because of the whole sequence. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's almost a twin dilemma. Oops, spoiler alert. Let's not go down that, that route. What did you make of uh, Georges Simenon's first uh, entry into, into crime writing? I really enjoyed it. Um, and um, I thought you could see 
a lot of the roots to something that was going to that was going to um, obviously take all of his life because it 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 was uh, did he not produce about a hundred sort of. <laughs> Uh, different yeah, versions. A hugely prolific writer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, indeed, uh, one of the producers of uh, the TV series starring Richard Harris in the oh, yeah. uh, 80s actually said that uh, uh, Arthur Wygarn, he used to do all so many things. And apparently he used to write them in the bath as well. <laughs> really? Well, it, um, maybe that's because, you know, he started with, with, with uh, he puts his groundwork down with so much description, um, the atmosphere of the times, the atmosphere of, of, of the room that he's in. He describes uh, from very early on that, that this detective in his big coat, this, this, this big, big man, um, and loving his, uh, his stove in his office and clinging to his stove. And it seems that every, every room he went into, it, 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 was, it was often the stormy weather, wasn't it? Mm. And, and, and he looked for uh, some sort of heating source to keep him warm and to keep him dry. And the weather and, and, and the... the, the the atmospheric conditions play a part all the way through through the book. It's that attention to detail, and it's and, and it's the attention to the period and the place and the time. But at the same time, the, the fact that he's a detective and that he's working with people, he's trying to get inside people's minds, makes it. Even though it's a period piece, it makes it very sort of attractive now, as a, a, in the same way, because because people still work in in the same ways, really. Probably because I was influenced by the TV series and uh, indeed the first time May Gray uh, crossed my consciousness, I was very surprised to find it was written actually in 1930 in in the pre-war period because it struck me as a a novel which actually still would have worked if it had been set in the 1950s. Yes, because absolutely. um, It it could be like um, a Cold War spy thriller in Mm. a a way. The very start of it is is taking information from Interpol, isn't he? And he's talking about people coming across European borders and uh, a a sort of um, a sort of organised crime racket that's going right through America. uh, Sorry, America through Europe and and also involving America pretty quickly. Mm. You see, and and um, yes, it could definitely be a post-war scenario. But no, it's it's between the wars, and I think this. The stove and 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 the, uh, the, the 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 old train and things like this that, that appear right at the start. I suppose they they tell you that when it's founded in in, in many respects. But um, I love the way that the skillful way that he can change pace. Because Megre initially, it's almost like frustrating because everything's everything is so calm and. Uh, and, and, and he doesn't get flustered or, or ruffled about anything, even though, as I say, there's a storm outside, and he's, he, he, they've got that contrast between his calm and, and the storm going on. But then you suddenly uh, lurch into it, 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 all sorts of things going on, and, and you, you, you're suddenly at real speed. And even though the novel is, is it's a pretty short book, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, again, uh, short but very dense. I yeah, felt that I in terms I, of the I, content, it was right. very rich. Absolutely, absolutely. It does tell the whole story, and it's definitely a novel, not a novella, uh, I think. And mm. um, Yeah, it's uh, very, very skillfully uh, written. And it definitely, if I was right, reading it for the first time in, in the 30s, I would definitely have gone out and bought the second. And it, 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 it's a real... It, but it's a standalone, isn't it? It's... Um, mm. 
Well, presumably he wasn't sure how successful it may or may no. not have actually been. So, uh, but good journalistic training just don't actually uh, necessarily have the sequel in mind uh, until uh, things have actually been proved to be uh, to be worthwhile. Um, we looked a few months ago, uh, pre-lockdown, of course, on on uh, Book of the Month at raffles, and yeah. we we kind of said that that almost acted as a template for the the rogue villain detective story and, and so on. Do you think that Maygrey, uh, again, similar kind of time as Leslie? Charteris would have been starting off with The Saint and so on. It was a similar kind of area where we can see an awful lot of our contemporary uh, detectives uh, having their roots in, in the whole uh, detective crime fiction of our uh, our famous second our second famous Belgium detective, of course, after Hercule yeah. Poirot. Yes, well, he, um, pretty soon, pretty early on in the piece, talks about... Um, if I recall, he talks it talks about uh, all the sort of great detective works and the principles, doesn't he, of, of, mm. of following different leads. And um, from the very start, it seems really what's what strikes you as strange is is basically he is watching somebody and he is watching them so closely that they know they're aware he's there all the time, and he's he's waiting for little cracks to appear for little clues to, mm. to, to surface. But he, he constantly tells you um, how it's founded on very modern policing, uh, modern at that time, mm. modern p- policing p- principles, uh, doesn't he? And, of course, uh, it's written, so he said, 1930, so 30 years after the heyday of Arthur Conan Doyle, yeah. Sherlock Holmes, and so on. So that, that notion of surveillance and observation and deduction, I think, uh, clearly at the time would have very much been in, in the modern uh, vernacular. Yes. Uh, again, I was I was intrigued in terms of just as one inevitably does reading these things from the 21st century perspective, uh, just saying how much obviously Simonon would have had to have changed and adjusted uh, in an era of mobile phones and surveillance drones oh, yeah. and, and other aspects. So, but that, that's another conversation. Rob, what would you give Peter the Latvian out of ten? Well, because it set the scene for a lifetime, for both for the author and for a lifetime's worth of reading for so many people, and um, I've got to say that it was so successfully done that it's got to be nine. It's the Book of the Month on Southside Broadcasting with Jenny Finch and a team of top writing talent. Indeed it is. Uh, Jenny, welcome back to your show. Uh, it's always great to do these socially distanced packages. We're getting used to them. Uh, and of course, not just one Jenny, two Jennies on the show today because uh, you may have heard Jenny Bill uh, in the background also uh, contributing her thoughts on the on the book. At least the listener will have heard that, as indeed Poppy Booth has uh, done the same thing. Poppy actually we put up as a, a teaser uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, there we are. Poppy Booth and Jenny Bill, who I know Jenny Finch would like to formally welcome as uh, newbies to the Book of the Month uh, show that we do here. Absolutely. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy every minute of it, because I do. (laughs) There you go. You were listening to Rob there. Uh, What did you make of his views? Do you think, actually, was he he too generous in terms of the line, or is it a case of, yeah, actually, once again, Rob Nichols, happier now that Middlesbrough has had a second win, and who knows, by the time this goes live, they might have eaten Bristol City as well, that all's well with the world. Thanks, of course, to Wigan Athletic, obviously, being fined or or deducted 12 points as well, conceivably. Hopefully, we won't need them. There you go. Um, I think he was absolutely spot on. Um, it is remarkably modern and uh, for its time, and it has, in many ways, given a sort of template for a lot of 
crime fiction. It's not it's not crime thriller, which is a, a much more modern thing, and it's so it's a lot less violent. There is violence in it, but it's not the kind of graphic violence you get with some modern writers, which is all to the good, I think. Um, and it's it is built around a single personality, and yet that single personality is the job more than anything else. Um, you haven't got all, apart from the fact he's cold all the time and needs beer, you haven't got uh, the kind Standard of... Standard male. I mean, isn't that what we do, really? That's the way we're Absolutely, always cold yeah. and we need beer. That's, that's <laughs> Give it. me a fire and a drink, I'm yeah. happy. Um, he's, uh, he's lacking that kind of um, anguished, broken-down, copper, struggling onwards type thing, which is also really rather refreshing. Um, I think Rob nailed it all the way through. It was interesting when he said about um, the... 1950s to the 1930s because when they did the um, the last set of television shows using Rowan Atkinson they actually took some of the 30s plots but set them in the 50s and it worked really really well yeah. Yeah, a lot of people were critical, myself included, actually, of the casting of Rowan Atkinson, but he seemed to have uh, won them over. I mean, I mentioned Arthur Weingarten there, who, of course, was responsible for producing Richard uh, Harris's uh, entry into the May Grey. Was it Richard uh, Harris or was it um, uh, Michael Gambon? They both did it. Both ah, there you yes. go. Michael Gambon and Richard Harris. Again, it's a, it's a role that I think, a bit like King Lear, but not maybe necessarily in, in terms of the same uh, scenario. Um, again, uh, I thought it was interesting, Arthur's uh, line. He wasn't able to join us for this particular piece, but uh, how uh, he knew that uh, uh, Simonor used to write them in the bath. Good grief. <laughs> Obviously not using an electric typewriter. Don't do it, George. Don't do it. (laughs) Or or even a tablet. Yes. just just wouldn't work at all. So step away from that. Um, Jenny Bill made the point uh, or suggested that in terms of setting the scene, she saw a big similarity between uh, Maygray and his sidekick and, of course, Inspector Morse and Lewis. Yes, very much so. But, of course... uh, Spoiler alert, it doesn't always, it doesn't actually work out for yeah, Megra well, at this point, does it? It didn't work out for Lewis in the end, he had to take over the whole series, but never mind. Absolutely. That's the way things go. Uh, okay, so overall, we've got an interesting combination of scores. Uh, I'm going to echo Rob, but I'm probably going to go for a 9 out of 10 for this one. I think uh, we've had high scores from Poppy and from. Um, Jenny as well, that's Jenny Bill uh, What about yourself Jenny Finch where would you position the counter on uh, Georges Simenon? I would also go for a nine I admire this man enormously as a fellow crime writer I would be proud to stand next to him Yeah you see, that's what we need. We need Alex Hastings uh, going through a time warp and encountering uh, May Gray in the 1930s and when a time where social work was needed more than ever. And we can uh, outline things from there. It's just a thought, you know, in terms of... Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you may be right. Well, you, unifying theories and so on. Next month, what is the wonderful text we're looking at, Jenny? It's James Bowen's beautiful autobiographical account, A Street Cat Named Bob. You're listening to Jenny Finch. Crime writer, scholar, and commentator with another classic book of the month on Southside Broadcasting. Crime writer. That means she authors the crimes. She's the mastermind behind the crimes. Oh, is this recording? <laughs>